there, everybody. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liv. And you are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast, where we take a look at graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists. And this one, um, we went light this yes. time. We went, I would dare say, we went cotton candy light. Yeah, this is definitely a dessert form of graphic novel. This, this almost felt like a palate cleanser to a certain extent. Yeah, I guess. I mean, not that Shuri was super heavy, but... No, it wasn't. But, you know, just sort of even breaking away from really structured formats like story and, <laughs> and things like that. So what we took a look at was Phoebe and Her Unicorn, A Heavenly Nostrils Chronicle. So this is by Dana Simpson, who is the writer and the artist on it. And although it's collected as though it's a graphic novel and like to look at it, you might think that it's actually a daily strip. I believe it was originally a webcomic, oh, okay. which is why at the end of every page is a punchline. Ah, that makes sense. And it also lends to some formatting weirdness later on, which I'll bring up later. Yep. Um, but what this is, this is a story of a young girl named Phoebe, who I don't think they ever say her age. She starts out in fourth grade. So oh, she's okay, like that's right. Nine-ish, nine, ten-ish. So, and she randomly, while skipping stones, finds a unicorn. Which made me laugh that it was skipping stones stones right in the beginning because you love to skip stones so I was like of course Nathaniel wants us to read this. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Um, so uh, and so uh, ostensibly Phoebe saves the unicorn by actually beaning it in the head with the stone that she was skipping oh, because right. the unicorn was transfixed by its reflection in the water. Mm -hmm. and basically needed to be hit in the head to be snapped out of it because because she's so glorious. Yes, and so humble. <laughs> so very humble. Her name is Marigold Heavenly Nostrils. Yes, it is a great name, epic name. Yes, which, which is also what Phoebe says. That is the best name I've, I've ever heard, is her exact words. And heavenly nostrils. Heavenly nostrils. And then it is a series of short, usually a couple pages, vignettes of mm -hmm. the two of them doing things like playing detective together or um, Phoebe trying to make her rival at school jealous that she's friends with a unicorn or having a sleepover and her introducing the unicorn to her, her parents and... And we and there is like a small amount of lore that gets built in over time. Things like the shield of boringness, mm -hmm. where where when most people see the unicorn, they recognize it as a unicorn, but they're just thoroughly unimpressed. They just think it's dull and boring. <laughs> so that it's an everyday occurrence. Yeah, so that's that's how little girl like, riding at a unicorn. Whatever. Yeah, they get quite close, and which is Phoebe of... rides her to school. Which is interesting, given that, like, you know, Marigold thinks she's the most glorious thing ever, so. 
Well, but, I, you know, it's an everyday occurrence for someone to be writing the most glorious thing ever. I think the thing is, is that she is so assured of her gloriousness, she doesn't need it reaffirmed by other people. That's true. She's got an internal feedback loop that'll keep that going forever. Yes, yes. So that's your, that's the basics. It's, it is a breezy read. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think? I enjoyed it. Um, again, it's very light. Yes. So there's not much depth to it. Um, they, in the beginning, it has an intro by an author you know quite well. Yeah, well, that actually ties into how I even came about having this. So it has a foreword written by Peter S. Beagle, who wrote The Last Unicorn. Mm -hmm. And I actually picked this up because... Three or four years ago now, he they they were they did a tour of um, playing the last unicorn in theaters in limited engagements, and I went and saw a screening that he was at. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, he told stories and there, and I got some things signed by him. And he and this is a this is a property that he had found and he had really liked. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that they sold as available merch was oh. this book. So he didn't write it, but he supports it very much, clearly. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that intro, he um, compares it to Kelvin and Hobbes, and it really does have that feeling. I don't like it as much as Kelvin and Hobbes. No, it's it's not as it's not as deep as Kelvin and Hobbes definitely eventually got. Yeah. But it does have it has that similar vibe and dynamic of two friends who are who are not on the same wavelength, mm -hmm. but they complement each other and very well. And one of them is kind of, you know, again, uh, you get the sense that Marigold's not imaginary in this, but that no one's really wowed or surprised that someone's hanging out with the, a little girl's hanging out yeah. with a unicorn. So it's got that kind of dynamic of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's your friend. You hang out with your animal friend and talk to your animal friend and... You know, your animal friend is kind of full of themselves and thinks <laughs> they're all wise and knowing. And, you know, Phoebe's kind of bratty, like Kelvin is. Not to Ugh. the degree, but, like, definitely that mischievousness and the, like... She's a bit of an odd kid. Yeah, she... And again, not... Not, not like, deliberately weird, but a little odd. Not the most popular kid, doesn't no. really you know, bond well with her peers. So. I think and this is going to sound like a diss and I don't mean it to be. It's like Calvin and Hobbes softened. Phoebe's not as abrasive as Calvin had a tendency to be. Mm -hmm. And the situations they find themselves in are a bit less dramatic than, <laughs> than Calvin and Hobbes could get. Yeah. But it does have, at its core, it is a similar vibe mm -hmm. to it. So I think that's why I enjoyed it, um, and I think that was an apt comparison. Um, and, you know, I uh, most of my notes on it are like, oh, that's cute, that's cute, that's cute, that's funny, that's cute. <laughs> there's, <laughs> lots of, there's lots of cute, funny word plays, just little interactions between them. It's a nice friendship tale. Um, yeah, I really... I like the Dakota parts with the arch enemy and how she's like, oh, my, my arch enemy 
Dakota and even tells that to Dakota's mom. She's like, I'm looking for my arch enemy, you know, <laughs> Yeah, your daughter. And I just love that, which is a very, again, that's kind of a Calvinish thing to do. Um, I love that, that how um, Marigold wears the detective hat. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's like speared, it, no, it's speared through. I know, yeah. but th that gives the illusion of it like hovering above her head. Well, yeah, because it's not hysterical. speared all the way down to be on her head. It's speared it's like halfway up, on the yeah. horn. Yum. And I just think that's the cutest. Um, you know who I liked? Who? I liked Phoebe's dad. Yeah, he was good. I like the parents. I like the piano teacher who is where she just never practices, which was actually kind of me taking piano. <laughs> <laughs> but this, my teacher was very nice about it and like encouraging while this guy is like, yep, you didn't practice again and is very dry about it, <laughs> which really should have been how my piano teacher was with me. <laughs> <laughs> like I did not improve over the course of three years. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing that I mentioned about structurally this being a little weird, I, I have a very strong feeling that, you know, these were published just in the order that they were done. Uh -huh. And whereas I think it would have benefited from some restructuring because it's, it's sort of daily strip format. Mm-hmm. You can tell where things get awkward because you'll get what is the equivalent of a Sunday strip. Yes, I that basically that. interrupts a story because you'll have a story that's going on. Then you'll have this one page where it's like it's a little bit more elaborate and it's not the same four panel structure visually. Uh -huh. And it does not. And if it if there was if we were doing on. one of the little vignettes. It literally has nothing to do with where we just were, and then it picks up afterwards. It's it's because of the daily strip format, and I don't know why they didn't restructure it and place those more deliberately between these things so they didn't pop up in the middle. Yeah, it threw me off the first couple times, and then I was like, yep, this is the way it is. But yeah, I did make a note of that, too. I was going to mention that, that that really did throw me off. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I wouldn't knock it for, like, if you were reading it as, um, like, as a webcomic, a, a comic as a daily thing as it came out, because it's choosing to mimic the newspaper format. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of a collection uh, yeah. i am gonna i am gonna knock you for that going like there's no reason to not restructure restructure it and just and just move it to two pages after so it, it comes in between vignettes instead of in the middle of one of them yep yeah which is about the only thing that i'd i'd actually call like a legitimate complaint about it it's a it's it's almost a little bit too light to have much in the ways of complaints about yeah it really is Oh, can I just say I like her hairstyle of the ponytail with the, like, some of it has escaped and, like, it's <laughs> hanging down on the side of her head because that's when I have, like, hair that's that short and you put in a ponytail and it escapes a lot, I totally get that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yep, that, that's my hairstyle or just wisps escape and things like that. So I'm like, yeah. I sympathize with that. So th there are more volumes of this, mm -hmm. um, which I don't have, but I do want to share this because this was a tidbit I found while researching other things. Mm -hmm. And there was a character introduced later who's unfortunately whose name I can't remember, but it's another unicorn mm -hmm. um, who is non-binary. Aww. 
and uses nay pronouns. <laughs> nay pronouns. Nay pronouns. <laughs> That's perfect. There are some really clever things and things that just made me laugh. Like, I just... And sometimes the humor is really juvenile, but I still laugh at it. Like, that Dakota calls... You know, Phoebe, Princess stupid, stupid Butt. butt yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's great. Hey, and, Princess Stupid Butt, you're a stupid butt. Yeah, and then there's like a punicorn vo- vo- like joke in there, and I was like, yep. Well, what I, like, what I like about the punicorn joke is that Phoebe says it to herself. She's not even saying it to anyone. She says it to herself, and then it's like, poo. Poo. <laughs> and she makes herself laugh. That's that's what makes that joke work. Like, if they made it a bigger thing, I would have been like, eh, because I don't like poop jokes. But, like, a nine-year-old thinking of that pun and making themselves laugh, okay, yes, that's cute. Yeah, yep, that you, would you've, definitely You've happen. made a kind of humor I don't like cute. I honestly would probably laugh about that, too, <laughs> even though I'm not nine. Um, I like the phrase, the terrible vortex of meh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so apparently there are things that can throw off the shield, the shield of boringness has settings and also can be thrown off. And then when it's thrown off, it becomes the terrible <laughs> vortex of meh. <laughs> um, Dakota is instrumental in creating that. And then Phoebe gets caught up in it. So, Yep. So uh, there's that. Um, and in addition, when, um, when Marigold meets her parents, apparently she was gradually turning down the shield of boringness and it was turned down to be the shield of humoring a child then the shield of mild interest and then the shield of eyebrow raising novelty briefly it was the shield of annoyance because i forgot to carry a five. Oh my gosh so yeah just clever little things like that um oh i want to say i really like marigold's pajamas um, they're all pretty <laughs> yes. and pink and, and the the art style is the art style again kind of fits that sort of newspaper strip feel it is it is the character designs are simple but effective they're simple but very um <sighs> i have completely lost the word i was looking for expressive, expressive. there we go i thought i was wondering if you were going for that that was the one i, I was i was watching you flounder though so that was yeah you were just you were just sitting back going, i'm just, just gonna let this go on <laughs> thanks so much it's a very phoebe thing to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah you relate to phoebe a bit don't you yeah well i mean i really liked kelvin and Related a little bit to him, but not to that level. So having the girl version that's a little softer, yeah. I relate to Phoebe a little. Oh, and I think it's funny, too. I, a note I made is, like, um, of the title, Phoebe and Her Unicorn, A Heavenly Nostrils Chronicle. Really does sound like it could be, like, an episode of Friends or something. Where, like, <laughs> Phoebe Buffet is like, I got a unicorn today. You know, like... <laughs> This, her na- her name's her Marigold Heavenly Nostrils. Yeah, I, I could see that being like a little mini plot for an episode or two. I mean, Phoebe, Phoebe did try to change her name to Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, so I could see her having a unicorn named Marigold Heavenly Nostrils. Yeah, it could definitely happen. So, yes, <laughs> the Phoebe Buffet story. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I think that's about all there, I really have to say about it. It's, it's there isn't like, much to dive it's into. Funny. It's just it's just nice. It's fun. Yeah. So, and like obviously we're enjoying it as adults, partly because it reminds us of something that we read when we were younger. But I think younger readers would really think, get a kick yeah, out of you this. You could start this in like second grade, pretty much, and I think for my like older middle schoolers, they wouldn't really be into it. Um, no, probably unless not. they were in a nostalgic mood, which sometimes they can be, or Fair. if they're like obsessed with unicorns or something. So, yeah. you know what? I, I related to Marigold because she's so humble, like me. I know. I was wondering about that. No wonder we get along so well. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, so that'll that'll wrap it up for Phoebe and her unicorn, and we will be back in a minute with listener feedback. My name is Jesse, a Trekkie. A radiation wave hit and I got shot through a wormhole. And now I'm on some distant corner of the galaxy on a podcast, an index show about a strange science fiction series. Help me, please. Is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm co-hosting with an insane Farscape fan. I'm doing everything I can. I'm just looking for a way home. What the Frell, a Farscape podcast. Available only on Council of Geeks Podcast Network. How much do it's you feel thing. like reading? Do you want to do first and third? Do you want to do second? I'll do first and third. Okay, sounds good. I got it. And you can snark at Ryan if you want. Oh, I would, I would never. Hey, everybody, mm-hmm. welcome back. So uh, we have feedback to our previous episode where we talked about Shuri, the search for Black Panther. And the first came from Ryan Daly, who dropped some context on us for this particular book. He says, I feel like this book and the current direction of Black Panther comic are uh, in one part designed as a soft reboot to bring characters more in line with the direction their cinematic universe counterpart. What's that? Sounds crazy, you say? No, it's happened before. Trust me. Shuri was killed off in the comics. I believe in no. the I believe in the <laughs> Infinity Event of 2013 or 14. When Marvel Comics realized the character was going to have some prominence in the 2018 movie, they decided to resurrect her in the new Black Panther title written by I'm going to butcher this. Uh Tana Hesse Coates. Uh, however, either Coates and Ryan Coogler never talked about the character or it never occurred to them to line them up because when Coates brought Shuri back from the dead, she came with thousands of years of Wakanda spirit and mystical history and power. She was very much a magic-based superhero in the comics, able to tap into her mystical bloodline and adopt the powers of heroic Wakanda women from past centuries and millennia. Which... This is me interrupting. That actually is a cool concept, but yes, obviously very, very, very different from what Yes, we, we saw were... none of that in the movie. Yeah. Which Ryan then goes on to point out. And in the movie, she's a sassy tech genius. Well, okay, you do your own thing, Marvel Comics was probably thinking, except for the fact that 300 billion people saw the movie <laughs> and fell in love with that version of Shuri, and the little and not-so-little girls who wanted to see more of her <laughs> would find the Shuri in Marvel Comics completely unrecognizable and impenetrable. I was one of those not-so-little girls who yes, wanted to you see were. more of Shuri. <laughs> the thing is, I think him bringing up the impenetrable might be the bigger issue. Because, like, I think 
unless someone's quite young, they can they can accept certain adaptation changes, but it does sound like the version of Shuri they brought back was more steeped in the comic lore uh, of Black Panther. Yeah, and just coming to that would be which would have been which would have been the kind of character that makes for a good supporting character, but a very difficult character to come in on if that's what's drawing you in. Mm-hmm. Ryan continues. So last year, the Black Panther series is relaunched yet again, still written by Tanahesi Coates. And the series puts T'Challa in a completely different environment, the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. Familiar names, but wholly unfamiliar environment. Meanwhile, taking T'Challa off the board gives Marvel the chance to undo what they just did with Shuri six months earlier, making her the super genius of Wakanda in a series that feels a bit like its own continuity, but can easily be slotted into the timeline once T'Challa comes back to Earth. It's all a means to hide the big neon arrow pointing to the glaring inconsistency between pre-movie Shuri and current fan favorite Princess. Favorite Disney Princess! (laughs) (laughs) Also, Moses Magnum is a longtime utility villain for Marvel who has gone up against Spider-Man, Luke Cage, and X-Men. I'm going to have to take your word on that, Ryan. I've still never heard of the guy. I have not either, but... I'd heard of Armadillo, and I'd never heard of Moses Magnum, okay? <laughs> you have heard of some characters where I'm like, is this really, oh, it is a thing, okay. I, I don't, I think I have yet to make something up to mess with you. I should do that sometime. Please don't. My I won't. parents have done it for years. Yeah. I bo- Especially my mother. Really? I would have called your dad on that. A little bit, but like my mom just. My mom just smiles and looks cute and sells it better, so... Yeah, I bet I bet your dad's easier to see through. I really... So, I, I probably have told you this, but I think the one thing she really got me on, and I was probably like five or six, and loved the Muppets, and was like, what is Gonzo? And she's like, Gonzo's a bluebird. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I was really convinced that Gonzo was a bluebird for like three solid years at least. Oh, dear. Yeah, so don't trust my mother. That's the moral of this story. Duly noted. <laughs> All right, our next um, listener feedback is from Brian Linton. I'd love to introduce my daughter to Shuri in the comic books, but it sounds like this story might not be the best jumping on point for the character. Yeah. Uh, still, I enjoyed your coverage of this book. Now that I think of it, I'm not sure my daughter has seen the Black Panther movie. I know my wife and I offered to let her watch it with us, but I don't remember if she took us up on it. I guess I'll have to ask her about that at dinner tonight. Well, feel free to let us know in your next feedback, Brian, whether or not she actually had. Oh, that's such a good movie. And finally, Tim Price. Well, we had identical experiences reading the series. I haven't read the latest Black Panther volume, so I knew none of the other references. My inclination is to just roll with it uh, from the childhood of comics on spinner racks, getting new comics old and missing plenty of issues along the way. My training has served me well. Yeah, no, that's true. If you ever were used to picking up single issues, you did have to kind of get used to this if you never had like a pull list and were, and were following the same things all the time. Yeah. Uh, It was a fine lark of a story, definitely converting comic Shuri into movie Shuri, which honestly is a good move. 
This is a character that really can speak to an underrepresented group of readers. I don't know if this series is the best way to do that. I'd rather they give Shuri a story that's all her own, not overly tied to continuity, just a great sci-fi adventure, because I did like her as a character here. That's true. For as much as it was trying to reset her, mm -hmm. it was yeah. It was heavily tied to to T'Challa. It was heavily tied to the current situation in Wakanda. It did have that spiritual and, element, which is kind and of like the be the best bit of it was the most attached, which was the Shuri Groot yeah. segment. Yeah. I, which was the most standalone element of the thing. Yes. I I did like all the cameos though. I mean we got Storm and Groot and Rocket and so, and and Tony too. So like yeah. solid stuff. And and Moses Magnum. Yeah, who we know so well from all the fan, movies. Fan favorite, most... <laughs> Anyways. But back to the series. I also agree the artwork didn't click for me. Uh, it felt similar to the style of David Aja or Chris Samney, whose work I've probably seen but couldn't name. Um, but those thick inks hold it back from being as dynamic. So just, meh. Think <laughs> the terrible vortex of meh. <laughs> yep. It is, it, it's spreading! Oh no! It's, it came to Wakanda! <laughs> oh, the things I did like, wings in a can. Yes! Equation talk with her bud Tony, hanging with Storm, and her outfit. I mean, really, that's some gorgeous colorful stuff she wears. She has great outfits in the movie too, so. Yeah, we didn't comment on the fashion. Like, did... I usually do too, which yeah. is strange for me, you're right. It was solid fashion, I feel like it was. It good. was. And especially her. Yeah, and I and it was a, I felt like it was in keeping with the movie where it took me a while to realize this, but I was like, oh, she doesn't have a color scheme like the other women in the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, she's the princess. <laughs> That'll about do it for this episode. Oh, I just remembered two things. My daughter just received volume six of Cleopatra in Space this week. I still need to steal, I mean borrow it. And the Cleo in Space animated series is supposedly on NBC's streaming service, so I'll need to devote some time to checking that out. Word on the street is the service one-week trial is long enough to watch the whole thing. Shh, podcast secrets. <laughs> that we just revealed. <laughs> Thanks again, punchers. And thank you, Tim. Tim is apparently working on his own podcast. I saw him tweet about working on editing it. Ooh, exciting. Th this is the life cycle of podcasts. I think it is actually a law of the internet that after hearing so many hours of podcasts, you will inevitably start your own. I have a friend um, who just started one on horror, and she doesn't watch horror, but like that's kind of the point of the podcast, but I'm pretty sure she listens to a lot of nerdy podcasts, so I'm like, yep, it was time. So, yeah, it, like it is just kind of a thing that happens. By the way, listen to the Council of Geeks podcast where I'm currently running What the Frell, where I rewatch um, Farscape with someone who hasn't seen the show before. There we go. I haven't plugged my own feed in a while, so. Not on the, yeah, not on this platform. So. No. So I think we will wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be honest with you folks. We have no idea what we're doing next nope, month. We'll figure it out. It'll be a big surprise. We thought that would be great for you guys. It'll also be a big surprise for us. Yes. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We usually do. Often. 
All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Hope you stay safe and be well, and we'll see you in a month. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left on fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can support the network by finding us on Patreon. This particular show was supported by Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye.